Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is Sean Catanese, Level 2 from Sacramento, California. And I'm Ricky Hayashi. I guess I judge too now. What do you mean you guess you judge too now? Well, I, you know, played in GP Oakland, but now the most recent tournament I did was Pro Tour San Diego, which I judged, so I'm back. That's right. I was there too. Um, let's see, we had a really good time, I think. My feet were hurting for a couple of days afterward, but it was really an awesome, awesome time for my first pro tour. How about well, you, Ricky? Well, here's the thing. I posted on Facebook that the pro tour was kind of meh, and Johanna agreed with me. So that's what you have to look forward to, Sean, is that this really awesome experience <laughs> was, was kind of an average event for, for us veterans. Well, then I'm, I can only look forward to the other ones that will be even more awesome. Then. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's why I keep going. Okay. What was your favorite moment of the Pro Tour now that you've gone through this and you can tell me sort of that, well, it's not that great? Well, it has to be Simon Gortzen winning the event. And why is that special I mean, Obviously, for us? you know, here in Northern California, we all have a soft spot in our hearts for Luis. Absolutely. He's a good friend. He's also a judge, but... Simon is also a judge. He's a level one judge out of Germany. And uh, he recently married Claudia, formerly Nellison. Mm-hmm. He's a level two out there. So I, I've known Simon through Claudia, and he's a great guy. And hopefully him winning the Pro Tour, obviously it means he's going to keep coming to events. Mm-hmm. And my secret hope is that Claudia will come with him, you know, because winning the Pro Tour, I, I hear they give you some money, so... Something like that. Yeah. Money, maybe it's just some extra packs. I don't remember. Okay. Some like box that. of World Wake. Right. So maybe, uh, I don't know if they honeymooned already, but honeymoon in San Juan, Puerto mm. Rico, maybe? Sounds like a fun time. Well, good. Good. Well, for me, the highlight was probably working the public events where I was made the head judge of the uh, Wizards Play Network Open uh, on uh, Sunday made the head judge of that midway through. Because what the heck is that? The WPN Open was a big tournament, uh, about PTQ-sized, and uh, I came into being the head judge of it uh, after working the deck checks team for a while and then going off and doing a seminar. Um, came back to it, and our head judge was heading off to a seminar of his own. Kevin Binswanger was looking for somebody to volunteer to take on the rest of it. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and so when Kevin asked for somebody to take on the rest of it, I stepped in and said, well, heck, I'll do it. And it was really a great time. I uh, came up with a couple kind of awkward rulings where we, we really generated some good discussion on the judge list. And other than that, though, I think we, we had a real clean, fun time. Um, and I actually had to leave it in the semifinals of top eight um, because I was basically dead tired. Uh, it was getting late, and I'd worked uh, essentially two of the shifts, two of the shifts there, and uh, handed it off to be finished up. So I can't tell you how it ended, uh, but my time with it was really a lot of fun. Okay, but what, what is it, Sean? I mean, WPN oh, Open. <laughs> the WPN Open. For those, of, for those of us who weren't at the Pro Tour. Right. The WPN Open, it's like a PTQ in that if you win, you get to go to San Juan. 
Right. They give you a flight. They give you a flight. They give you a hotel. A hotel. Yeah. Flight and hotel. Um, but, but but they don't give you the, the most important thing, right? Right. You, you don't get to play in the Pro Tour. It does not qualify you for the invitation to actually play in the Pro Tour. So kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of an awkward prize for somebody who hasn't actually qualified. Mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who has qualified on, for instance, rating or some other way that does not actually get you. Sure. Sure. Like, like Jerry Thompson... In his article, saying he was qualified for San Juan, so people kept asking him, like, "How'd you do in the PTQ?" And like, "Well, I didn't play. Like, it was a PTQ for San Juan." Mm -hmm. So he he actually could have played in this and gotten himself. Uh, does he have? He he won the online PTQ, which I don't know if they give a flight. I'm not sure either. They might. They might. So he could have gotten himself a flight in a hotel by winning this. Right. Right. So he didn't win it, though. Um, the finals, when I was uh, leaving it, were down to Tamas Dudziek. I hope I got his name right. Uh, and the two roommates playing in the last semifinal match were Matt Nass and Tom Rainey. Oh, two more locals. Right. Matt right. Nass on a mini tear. Right, right. Winning the uh, Grand Prix <clears throat> the week before. Uh, didn't do so hot in the Pro Tour, but um, again, doing pretty good at the Open. And he's qualified for San Juan, so if he did win this, and I don't know if he did, but uh, if he did, then that would make sense that he'd actually get some benefit from that. You'd think we would have heard something. That's true. He probably didn't in that case. But then again, he, he doesn't. He's on Facebook. He has an account, but he has yet to accept my friend request because I, I don't think oh, he checks. snubbed by the NAS, huh? I, I don't think it's a snub. Okay. I think he just doesn't use it very often. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because, I mean, he doesn't even have a photo. And you got to use that wonderful Grand Prix trophy holding photo, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if you win something, Ryan Kibler had his trophy, trophy I think photo Luis had for a his while. There for a while too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so that was my experience there. Let's. I actually do want to talk a little bit about uh, the top eight and how we did have kind of an awkward ruling there. Generated some good discussion on the judge list. Um, we had our deck checks. Um, right before top eight, which is customary here in Northern California, where just before top eight of a PTQ or a similar sort of event, we'll get all the top eight folks together, have them hand in their decks, and we'll check them real quick. Usually it's viewed as sort of a customer service courtesy thing, um, but if they give us a deck that's illegal somehow, or if they give us a deck that um, it has clearly marked cards in it, uh, we'll usually deal with that as we would normally deal with marked cards penalty or an illegal deck or deck, deck list mismatch penalty. Uh, one exception to that is it wouldn't give them a, a penalty for, for instance, having a sideboarded deck, a deck with sideboard cards in it, because that's not really being presented uh, well, as, a, as a deck deck. Well, that, that's why we do that. Right. I don't know if you remember or were there, but we had a PTQ top eight once mm -hmm. where a player during, in the middle of his match, draws a card and says, Oh crap! I lose because he had failed to de-sideboard right. and had drawn one of his sideboard cards. He was wow. an honest fellow and said, "Judge, you know this is a sideboard card. I forgot." Mm -hmm. We had to give him the game loss there in the top eight. So now we say, "Okay, let's collect all the decks before the top eight starts. Make sure this doesn't happen, and mm -hmm. you know check a few other things like the sleeves." Right, right. And we also like to, you know, semifinals, finals, do a quick sideboard check. Make sure that the 15 sideboard cards are the sideboard cards mm -hmm. for constructed at least. Um, right, right. We did that. So we did that for our top eight for the WPN Open. 
and we had four people left on, on the event, mm-hmm. and I gave each of them two of the decks, including myself. And the first one I checked, uh, the list said a Johnny Vengeant, and it was an all-white deck with four arid maces, but no mountains. So no way of getting red mana. Uh, so the sideboard said a Johnny Vengeant in it, and you look in the sideboard for the deck, and it's got a Johnny Gold name. So that seems to me to be a clear error um, and a deck deck list mismatch. Uh, definitely in that, uh, in the class of error would be a tournament error. Uh, deck deck list mismatch is the name of the infraction. And from there, we go into, well, what's the penalty for this? And the immediate response from a couple folks was, well, it's a clerical error, so you can downgrade it to a warning. Mm-hmm. And that's not correct. And uh, we had Max Nowen, uh, who's a level two from Vancouver, BC. Is that how you pronounce? Have I been pronouncing his name wrong this whole time? Nowen, Nolan, something like that. Max, the the guy with the red hair. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. Anyway, Max, why didn't you tell me I was pronouncing your name wrong? I'm I might, sorry. I might have pronounced it wrong. Um, anyway, Max was uh, checking one of the decks, and he piped up as soon as somebody mentioned that you could downgrade for this clerical error. He said, no, that only applies to basic lands. So we go back to the IPG, we check it out, and yeah, it does only apply to basic lands in the deck list. If the basic lands are listed incorrectly, um, we assume that the player made that error and will allow that to be downgraded to a warning at the head judge's discretion. Well, this wasn't that error. So we had to issue a game loss uh, to start off the top eight for this one of this one of these players here. So that was probably the most interesting ruling that I had to deal with. Um, we also had a couple other interesting rulings, but um, really we can get into those a bit later if we want to. Right, so the, I think part of the confusion is if they write a truncated name, mm-hmm. for example, if this player had written only a Johnny, yes, and it's obvious that he can only play a Johnny Goldmane in his deck, mm-hmm. in that case you could make a downgrade. Yes, that's that's another because it's not a deck deckless mismatch. That's an illegal deck list. Right. But in this case, he had written a full complete magic card name. That was also wrong. Yeah. Yes, it was complete and it was wrong. So that is a deck deckless mismatch. Okay. Um, so because a Johnny Vengeant is a legal card to play in the format. And now you can look forward to some some Jace problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, you know, Mister Bellerin himself, and then. Uh, I guess Mr. Mind Sculptor. It's a weird last name, but whatever. Uh, we don't judge Jace because he's a planeswalker. Yes. Um, and it used to be that if someone just wrote Jace, we'd say, okay, you know, be careful, but since there's only one Jace, you know, we'll let you have it. Sure, sure. Now we're going to have problems, so make sure you write full planeswalker card names. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, moving on from that ruling in the Pro Tour... What were other experiences that you had in the Pro Tour that you'd like to talk about? I felt like I was hardly there. I mean, I was hardly there. I landed Friday at noon. Pro Tour starts Friday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had told Sheldon, you know, this is is the best flight I can get time-wise. So he put me on the evening shift, uh, strolled in, made some jokes, you know, oh, Pro Tour could start now, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Friday night was pretty easy, quick. And then Saturday morning... I'm on the main event, and I kept le- I kept leaving the main event floor. I went to two seminars because this is 
the first pro tour where we had seminars running all weekend. Usually they only happen on Sunday. Yeah. And they will run two at the same time. So you kind of have to pick and choose. And Aaron Hamer, the seminar coordinator, said, well, let's try spreading them out so that people can get to all the ones they want to without having to pick and choose. Right, right. He gave me Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, which worked out okay for us. And so I, the two on Saturday happened to be ones I was interested in. I went to those, um, had a had a short meeting that day as well with some people. So I, I think I really only spent like half the day on the floor. Hmm. Don't know if I actually made any rulings. Wow. Yeah. Well, Saturday was my first day um, on the main event because L2s generally get put on the main event day two more than day one. Yeah. So it's not unheard of. Congratulations, so, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. On, on your first Pro Tour experience. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I uh, was on the floor when uh, we had uh, the DQ investigation uh, both times. Right. So, somebody. so normally we shouldn't talk about DQs. Right, right. Uh, and because there's an there's a <clears throat> investigation afterwards... And they have to decide what's going to happen, mm -hmm. suspension or no. Right. In, in this case, kind of an unusual circumstance in that I think most of the investigative committee or whatever it's called mm -hmm. happened to be there at the Pro Tour. Right. And I think they might have just had their meeting there and made some kind of decision because lo and behold, a couple of days later, Sheldon Mennery, the head judge of the event, in his column at Star City Games, mm -hmm. Embracing the Chaos normally about EDH, but he likes to write tournament reports for events he's been at. He, he wrote about these DQs, right? Right, and to give you an idea of how unusual this is, I had a DQ about a month ago at a Grand Prix trial, and I still can't talk about it because the investigations are still not concluded. But these were such a, a confluence of events and people that we can have this sort of Transparency happened right after the investigation's done, which is, is pretty unusual. So Sheldon wrote a lot in his article about the DQs and what happened in each of them. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't know if we don't want to repeat too much here. Right, and I don't want to open said. up a new can of worms either, because there's it's been <clears throat> some contention with what's going on there, and, and some people didn't like that it happened the way that it did for one of those DQs. Right. The main thing, <clears throat> the people have problems with the second one, mm -hmm. which is a situation where the player has got Lotus Cobra or Lotus Cobras. He had two Lotus Cobras. Two Lotus Cobras. So then plays a land, generates some mana. Mm -hmm. And the, the players are being fairly clear, it seems, on what color mana is being generated. Mm -hmm. They're both writing it down on their notepad. Right. And then maybe it was fetch land, I think. And, you know, so... Crack the fetch land, put the land in play, get two more from the Cobras. Mm -hmm. So what's ha what happens here is that the player is seems like he wants to play Iona. Because he ends up generating white, white, white. Yep. But partway through this, or once, once he starts tapping all his mana, realizes he only has eight mana. And right. Iona costs nine. Right. So the story goes that the player went into the tank was thinking real hard and mm -hmm. all right well I'll, I'll play sphinx the steel wind then which is a white white blue black five 
Right. So it costs, costs eight. Cost eight, just like he had generated, but it doesn't cost three white. It costs blue, black, and white. And on the player's pad written down, there was no indication of blue mana or black mana. There was a B there somewhere, but it was in, hard to determine, is this blue, is this black? Well, at the end of the day, it's not both. And there's only right. one of those Bs. Exactly. So you don't have blue and black. You don't have the mana to cast Sphinx of the Steel Wind, but you do it anyway. So this started off as a very simple ruling, I right. think, as of just the the opponent saying, hey, I don't think he had the right mana to cast this. Right, in which case we would have just said, oh, okay, well, it's within a turn cycle. I think only only thing that had happened is that one of the players had drawn his card for that turn. And there was the misconception that the player had drawn the card before pointing out the error so that the game state would be irreversible. Well, it's not. If it's just a card draw and nothing else happens, we can easily take a random that. card sure. from the hand and put it on top of the library to, mm -hmm. to return the game state to what it was uh, because that player's going to you know, draw that card on his turn and then his hand will be what it was supposed to be. Right. The, the infraction then that was committed was cheating fraud. Right. So it looked like a game rule violation for mm -hmm. casting a spell with the wrong mana. But somewhere in the course of this, I think the ruling was appealed. Sheldon got involved, and he smelled a rat. The, the more questions they asked, was like, well, you know, he paused at one point for a long time. He went into the right. tank. Well, the, the way it was presented to Sheldon, because I was actually standing there when this happened. Oh, see? Um, I come back from one of my meetings or whatever, and... <laughs> Like, what's going on? Well, oh, I, I, didn't actually, no, I didn't actually watch it happen. I didn't watch the player interaction happen. But I was there as, sure, sure. as the appeal was the judges were talking. Because I was there to basically keep the players from communicating with one another. Uh, one of them kept getting some random text messages. I had to tell them to turn off his phone and put it away. Those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't want to be sending text messages while you're being investigated and the head judge is standing at your table. Bad idea, folks. Um, anyway. What happened there was, yeah, that one of the players, uh, the, the opponent of the player who was eventually DQ'd, uh, told the head judge and indicated, and, and again, we had concurrence with most of what was being said back and forth because we had George Nicologanakis. Did you just get that right? <laughs> I might have just how gotten much, it right. How much did you practice that? All right, I have been practicing it, Nicologanakis, Nicologanakis. Wow. Okay, I think I got it right. I don't even... He's just George or George M. Right. So the, the Greek-speaking judge there at yeah, the who's brochure. from Northern California. Right. He's, he moved to, uh, I think he's going to school at Stanford mm -hmm. for graduate studies. So throughout this investigation, George is standing right there with this other player, uh, translating for him. Yeah, and, th and this was another concern that was brought up on the forums that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an American player was able to railroad his opponent because, you know, of a yeah. misunderstanding. And there this was, is definitely not the case. Absolutely not. The Pro Tour is a professional event. We have people from around the world. We can speak most of the languages that the players can. Right. And in this case, we definitely had a native Greek speaker on hand. Yes. So, uh, in fact, he almost speaks Greek better than he speaks English. I'd say he does, probably. Well, okay. No comment, but I'll let George know that you... It's his native language. Of course he speaks it better than he speaks it when he learned afterward. Anyway. Okay. So, anyway, George is there translating, um, and one of the things that this player's opponent tells us is that 
he paused and went into the tank before he started this whole gonna sack some lands, gonna get some more mana, generate all his mana. And then at the end of that, he went into the tank again. Right, right. <clears throat> so going into the tank twice, once because he's trying to figure out all the interactions and then decide, okay, this is my plan of action, I'm gonna execute it. And at the end of it, he stops again. That's a mana short for Iona. <laughs> right, that something went wrong in the middle of that. Um, because normally if you're generating a ton of mana, you have an idea of what you're going to play, and you can go through the whole series of interactions without really needing to stop at the end. At stopping at the end, um, and his opponent correctly said, you know, I'd be willing to, I, you know, I'm sure he's got Iona in his hand. And Sheldon took a look, and, and it was there. So based on the going into the tank the second time, mm -hmm. the eight mana, and the, the white, 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 the right. opponent was able to guess that he was trying to cast Iona. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was that was part of what they talked, maybe what they had determined there. Right. So that was the root cause of this, where you know tried to cast it and didn't have the right mana for it, and uh, knew that because he was going a different direction with his mana as he was doing it. So that's that DQ. We probably discussed it, I think, at, at enough length that you know we can avoid a whole bunch of hate mail from. A bunch of angry Greek players or others that might not like the outcome. What do you think? It's never pleasant. Mm -hmm. That's and true. I can certainly understand the emotion. Uh, which is one of the reasons I kind of like the moratorium on talking about DQs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the official reason is so that the investigation can go on unimpeded, you know, by and having stories being tainted and whatnot. Right. Um, but but I, I think it serves a second purpose, which is to let some of these emotions die down. Yeah. So I don't know if it was the best thing to have this article come out the week after. That's true. But now that it's out in the open, I think the best thing to do is to talk about it until... Clear, clear the air. Right. So an another article that came out this week was from Webb, a.k.a. David Ochoa. Over it's, at Channel Fireball, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um... In this article, let me just read it straight off the article. He, he's in one of the public events and is doing real well, but he's X and one, uh, one loss, blah, blah, blah. I said, I, I had been paired up against the only 6-0. This is in the final round of Swiss. I asked if he wanted to concede after explaining to him that he was a lock for a top eight, even with a loss. He said that he wouldn't concede for free, but would if I gave him 25% of what I want. Sirens went off in my head. I had to unfortunately call a judge because my opponent tried to bribe me. Mm -hmm. That is a, a pretty classic instance of bribery. I can't think of a, a more clear-cut case of it. Mm -hmm. If I was presented with this, um, I think in any context, at F&M or otherwise, um, this is bribery, and the player who offered that is getting DQ'd right away. And, and Webb is... About as straight as an arrow as they come, That's and, so. and a former judge, mm -hmm. so he knows his stuff. He, he, Where are we he in, knew what was going on. Where are we in getting him recertified? It, it's up to him, really. Okay. Well, I and mean, if he has the interest, uh, he certainly has the skill. Right. He has the rules knowledge, definitely. But well, I think he enjoys spending his time <laughs> uh, pride drafting and other activities, cube drafting and such, okay. over judging. Well, I don't that's, his, him that. that's his choice, I guess. All right. Well, nonetheless, yeah, he's, in my experience with him, he's a pretty straight shooter and 
have no no qualms about his uh, stance on this at all. And I can't think of a more clear example. I mean, we've seen other sorts of bribery, um, you know, where where there's conditions attached, or there's you know, if you do this, I'll give you this. Um, basically, whenever you get into a quid pro quo situation, though, you're talking about bribery. Even yeah, if it's, he's saying, I will know, concede to you if you give me 25% of the prize you earn. Right. It rarely is it that clear cut. I mean, oftentimes we say, well, I'll be really generous. You know, we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes. Well, I'm a generous guy. You know, that's a pretty gray area, but a dark enough gray that it gives me the feeling that I would probably, probably DQ that player saying, well, I'm a generous guy if you, you know, concede to me. That's a, that's a pretty... Mm-hmm. Pretty clear-cut thing. Um, this is, you know, night and day, absolutely. But th- this has this article has sparked a lot of controversy now. Some people are saying, a, that they're calling Webb a a jerk for calling a judge on this guy. He did the right thing, I think. Though there's there's no way that you can just let that stand. Otherwise, from, become, from our st- from, from yeah. our standpoint, he definitely did the right thing. Yeah, uh, because be the, the tournament, the like tournament integrity is at stake. Mm-hmm. And from his standpoint, from a player standpoint, he also did the right thing because he has to protect himself. Right. If he doesn't say anything there, and a spectator is watching this, the spectator might report it to a judge, and then right. you investigate and you say, "Well, Webb, why didn't you call a judge immediately?" If if you let that statement go. It could be it could be viewed as kind of an implicit agreement, right? Right, and and it's not necessarily that that conclusion is probably not as clear cut to you know because a spectator might just have stepped in faster than Webb could respond, or right. might have just um, you know if he if he had not understood correctly. I mean, if we had a language barrier going on, somebody doesn't understand that a bribe was made, but a spectator catches it, uh-huh. you know, that's definitely a situation where you, you can get into that. But if you understand that your opponent is bribing you, your only recourse really is to call a judge and say, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing that people have brought up is that they're they're accusing Webb of entrapment over this, which I found very surprising. Well, and, and this is one of those things that asking one one player asking another player to concede to him right can be a very touchy subject. The the the, peop, the, the forum response is basically, well, why are you allowed to ask him to concede to you, and he is not allowed to then make some kind of counter offer? Right. And basically, the concession is not related at all to the prizes. Mm-hmm. No, the concession is simply saying, "I'll give you this match," the, and it's it's a sporting sort of thing because you don't want to be that dream crusher. And that's that's really why people would you know concede in that situation, is saying, you know, I realize that if I were to do this, I would dream crush you, and you know, I know you, or you're a friend, or I've seen you around, you know. Okay, I'm not going to dream crush you. You you can make it into top eight because I'm a nice guy, you know. Not because I'm expecting you to be a generous guy back to me. The, the classic phrase is, you can concede for any reason out of the kindness of your heart. Right. I, I would prefer that we put it in terms of sportsmanship, that you you don't have any animosity toward this specific opponent. Um, oftentimes when people play out matches like this that are on the bubble, where one person can get in and the other person's a, a lock, 
you know, when that dream crush happens, it's usually because there's somebody else two tables down that's a friend of that person that's doing the dream crushing, mm -hmm. and they want that person to get in instead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this LSV did this um, in the Pro Tour. Mm -hmm. Of course, he went on the historic run. 17 he, or no. Right. He won all 16 rounds of Swiss and then quarterfinals. So 17 in a row. And a lot of people have been asking, well, why didn't he, you know, draw in? I don't know how many times, like twice or three times, right? Right. Potentially. Or why didn't he scoop to his opponent in the final round of Swiss? Mm -hmm. One of the reasons is the history of it. Sure. He, he wanted to go on this 16-0, sweep the Swiss, because that's kind of special. Mm -hmm. Only one other person done it before, the Pro Tour, is that right? Uh, Ryan Fuller, mm -hmm. I believe mm -hmm. it was 13 rounds in a row. The other reason was that, uh, it's the name Tom, Tom Ross. Yeah, Tom the, Ross. The boss. The guy uh, who made Luis's deck. Yeah, Mr. Boss Naya himself was kind of in that top eight contention. I believe he ended up in ninth place. He did. So if Luis had, you know, ID'd or conceded to his opponent in the final round of Swiss, then Tom would have been in tenth place, you know, even further out. Right. So he was he was looking out for his friend there and trying to get him in an, into position to make top eight as well. Right. And and this is also brought up in the response to the article, well, you know, these pros and their friends and their agreements well, it turns out if you have lots of friends, they'll do favors for you, you know? Yeah. It, like at the it, same time, it doesn't always sit well with me, though, because I feel like, for me, the game should be played for its own sake, and the prizes, you know, divvying them up in some sort of complex formula or divvying them up and, you know, taking a stake in some other player's winnings, that sort of thing. The way that all works out to me is that it kind of takes away from the, 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 the idea of it being a game, you know, it's, it starts to feel like the World Series of Poker, you know. It starts to feel a, a bit different um, when you get in too deep into that. Um, and that's just me as a player. Um, you know, as a judge, you have to, there's a certain set of things that you have to uphold in the IPG, and unless they break those sorts of things by bribing, you basically are, are, are stuck with that set of rules, and you got to work with those rules. So, you know, I reconcile that in my own way, I guess. Uh, the way I see it is just friends help friends. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you moved to, into your new house, what, now, a year ago or so? Uh, yeah, about a year and yeah. a half ago. And I helped you move. Sure. I didn't ask for anything in return. I, I, you might have gotten us pizza or lunch or something, right? And Yeah, pizza, beers, um, a good place to play Magic. Yeah. I think I, I think I gave a, the the eight guys that actually helped out. I think we had a draft or something. Okay. Yeah. But that that's the, that you know it's not an exact parallel, but that's the same kind of thing. We didn't have a negotiation session where I said, "Look, Sean, I hope you move, but I really need this, this, and this from you." Because mm -hmm. in magic terms, that would be like the bribe situation. Right. I just said, "Look, you're a friend. I would love to help you out." Mm -hmm. And you said, "Thank you very much." You know. You've been a good friend. Here's some food or magic cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Friends helping friends is one thing. I, I guess establishing that friendship based on a transaction is is very you know that that is getting back toward the bribery angle. 
So I, I but, but as it turns out, like the the more friends you make in Magic, the better off you are because they will try to help you out in this situation. They'll try to knock someone else out and help you make top eight or whatever, mm -hmm. or they'll concede to you or ID with you in certain yeah. situations. Um, it's a social game. It and is. So I don't know. I mean, the whole purity of the game argument rings less true to me, maybe because mm -hmm. I, I value the social aspect so much. Well, I understand that. It just it it it's never sat well with me when I can see that people that are you know people IDing and drawing into the top eight of the PGQ, where there are other people you know take two tables away that are you know playing for their lives. To me, it feels like the guys who play those games out, you know have a bit more honor, I guess, in that they've, they've played out and they've played everything they can and they've they've done everything they can to get to where they are. Now, granted, they've lost matches earlier in the day to put them at the table that they're at. So the people that ID in didn't lose those matches and played better. So Right, the last round of Swiss is paired straight down by standings, yeah. bar barring having played an opponent before. Right, well, that was that was a funny thing at this Pro Tour because I think in the last round... Luis got the triple pair down uh, because he had <laughs> just beaten everyone else. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, it was uh, yeah one of those things where yeah I can see that. Well, I guess we can move on a little bit from this DQ, or do you want to talk no, about no, some more? I think we're done here. Okay. Well, let's move if, on. If there's anything else, I mean, feel free to email us at uh, I don't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> the email address, Sean. The email address, Ricky, is judgecast at gmail.com there you go yeah thank so, you and actually uh, we did get some questions coming into that email address and unfortunately we can't read them off here yeah our wi-fi is down however i do have the essence of most of them and i can also tell you that one of them was just a fan saying thanks for the podcast from switzerland switzerland yeah wow yeah. actually a level one judge from that area hmm not sure if I know any Swiss judges. Anyway, I may, some... but uh, you know, my memory is fairly neutral on this one. Right. Some other folks from California and other parts of the country, one from Michigan. Um, really glad to see listeners calling in or emailing in from all over the country and all over the world. Um, so one of these questions that came in, and we'll go into our, if I can put a jingle in here, which, well... I don't have a mailbag jingle. We're just going to say, you know, this is our mailbag segment. One of the questions. I'm not going to sing this time. <laughs> oh, come on. People love that Jeopardy song you sang last oh, time. Oh, no. Okay. I forgot about that. Well, one of the questions that we got in is with regard to the pacts. We'll go back to the pacts because we've talked about them a little bit before. Uh, these are from um, Future Sight. From Future Sight, Pact of Negation, Pact of the Titan, all those sorts of pacts. Um, and a question, God, I just want to say, how terrible is the white one? The white one's pretty terrible. Every other one has seen a, a, a lot, I think. The of, white one doesn't even get played in the hive mind deck yeah. and extended. That's how bad it is. So, so the, yeah, red is the next one down, Pact of the Titan. It's I think it's only really seen play in this hive mind combo deck. Right. I, actually, there, I think there was a gin, a kind of bad gin Illuminatus combo deck. <laughs> Where you replicated a bunch and somehow oh, yeah, give them yeah, haste. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But yeah, the well, white, white one. Oh, gosh. So we had a question now of what happens when a player misses their trigger on their pack and forgets to pay. Well, the quick answer is that player loses the game. 
But then there's a rules question that's attached to this that they also asked us, and that is, well, do we penalize them for the infraction they committed? Because they've technically committed the infraction of gameplay error, missed trigger. Right, and the reason that they lose the game, as opposed to give them the option to, uh, to pay for the pact, is in the missed trigger section here somewhere. It's talking about defaults. Oh uh, yeah, if the trigger has an instruction that specifies a default action associated with a choice made by the controller of the trigger, resolve the default action immediately without using the stack. So the packs say uh, you lose the game unless, unless you, you pay X. The default action is you lose the game. Right. And in these cases it's assumed that you did not choose to pay the mana. But the main part of this question that's coming to us is actually coming to us from a rules advisor. Uh, someone is they're asking what about that missed trigger that's happened because mm -hmm. they have missed a trigger so yeah. ordinarily even with a default action associated with it we penalize them uh, if somebody misses their dark confidant trigger we penalize them with a missed trigger yeah yeah so with this do we give them the gameplay error missed trigger penalty for missing their pact so i so when you sent me this question mm -hmm. my response was no yeah, I, I've never done this. I've probably seen three or four players miss packs, and mm -hmm. uh, if they don't know how it works, they might look at me and be like, "And I'll just be like, you lose the game." Right, and and usually you get the roll the eyes, or if you're if we're playing with Anari, we get to point and laugh at him yeah. as he misses his back trigger. But I, I have never given out a warning for miss trigger in these situations, and apparently I'm a terrible judge. I'm not following policy here. Right, because you should apparently give out the miss trigger. No, no, that, yeah. That, yeah. So you're, you're correct. It does not specify anywhere that, you know, for like the May abilities, May triggers, mm -hmm. it just says, you know, you forgot it and we don't issue a penalty. Right. But the default action ones, you do. And it's hard. I, I, the reason I haven't is because the player just looks so crestfallen, you know, like, oh, I forgot my pact. I lose. Right. And it, you, you feel like a jerk, I think. If you step in there and say, you sure did miss that trigger, and here's your warning. <laughs> right, but at the same time... You we, know, ha we have to follow the policy. Right, and there's a follow-up question to even this, though. That follow-up question is, what if this missed trigger that they missed for their pact is their third missed trigger? What if it's gameplay error missed trigger and it's the third time they've done it? Uh-huh. Do we upgrade that to a game loss? Sure. Okay, so you missed your trigger for your pact... And then you're losing not just that game, because we're applying the default action there. What happens to that upgraded penalty? Does that apply to the next game then? I don't know. It just happens there. So you lose the same game twice? Uh, yes, because the, the IPG moves faster than game rules. <laughs> Some nonsense like that. Okay. Let me find a game loss. Looking up... You can you can stop talking here, and that way we can just cut this out. Whole looking looking up, looking up, looking up part out. No, this is research. Research. So okay. a, a game loss ends the current game immediately, and the player who committed the infraction is considered to have lost the game for the purpose of match reporting. Uh, game losses should be applied to the game in which the offense occurred, unless the players have begun a new game or the tournament is between rounds. So this is so a the, weird. So weird they thing. haven't begun a new game, and the right. tournament's not in between rounds. So you apply it in the game uh, where the offense occurred. You missed the trigger in this game. Well, Even, that is just so weird. So you can lose the same game of Magic twice. 
That's that's kind the, of the game a, loss moves faster, Sean. Fantastic. It's got like split split second. Well, that's, or, or that's whatever actually, that super turbo haste. From that's some unhinged. pretty interesting because I, I can't think of another way that you can lose the same game of Magic twice. That's pretty. That's a pretty awesome little trigger. I, does that mean you would fill it out three one or? <laughs> no, because you're only that's the game by itself was lost. Because when a game ends, it ends. Right, the game was lost. Okay. Um, that's just really crazy. Okay, well, so actually, um, my team lead on Saturday, who I barely saw, unfortunately, but Steve Zwanger back, back at the Pro Tour. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Steve Zwanger had a bunch of great discussion questions, and one of the last ones that I didn't get to discuss because I had left um, was something about like it, how how is it possible to get a match score of three games to two or something like that? I think. I have no idea. Yeah, I think it has to do with game loss penalties. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Steve, if you're listening, let us know. Okay. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm perplexed. Let's move on to our next question. Okay. Here. Uh, we have another player now from Michigan uh, who's sent us an email, and he described his uh, game state and everything in pretty deep detail. Uh, what it comes down to, though, is that he had a ghostly prison in play, and a Trinisphere. Okay. Okay. He's playing Angel Stacks in some legacy event, right? He has a ghostly prison and a Trinisphere, and his opponent has no cards in hand, but an Iona in play. And the Iona, if it gets in, will deal enough damage, lethal damage, to this player with the ghostly prison and the Trinisphere. Okay. So. So attack and pay your two. Right, but the player doesn't have the player with the Iona doesn't have any mana. What? Has no cards in hand, no lands. You know, he's sacrificed them all to, you know, smokestacks or some something else. Okay, like okay, that. okay. So no yeah. other permanents except for Iona. He draws his card and he sets it down. And it's a lion's eye diamond. Ooh. Okay. Sets it down and says well, I can pay the two here, and it looks like Iona's going to deal lethal to you. And the player with the ghostly prison and the Trinisphere says, boy, you know, he thinks about it for a second and says, well, I guess you got it then. He extends his hand, does all the concession procedures, leaves his game state as it is. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as he extends his hand and shakes his opponent's hand, his opponent jumps up and says, well, I just mind tricked you. Uh, you know, I couldn't play the Lion's Eye Diamond because you have the Trinisphere out. Oh, okay. I finally got it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he wins. Yeah, you this, have is the how, this is how much I, I play Legacy. I can't play the Lion's Eye Diamond because you have the Trinisphere. I can't pay the three. Right, right. And right. so I've just tricked you into conceding to me. And yes. the, the player. Yes, he has. Well, the, well, the player's really angry about this, though, pissed off about you this. You should because, be angry. Right, you've just you got con tricked. You've conceded for no reason. And the question really is, you know, he the player that had that Lion's Eye Diamond Iona is saying, his, his side of this argument is that, well, I'm just revealing Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, I set it down to my play area, but I'm just revealing it. I'm not playing it. Mm -hmm. And his opponent is saying, well, I'm understanding that you are playing it. So it's kind of like a player A said, player B said sort of situation. Um, and the other alternative solution to this is to say, well, you know, does this person, is the player that's sort of showing off the Lion's Eye Diamond like he's playing it, you know, saying it down face up, is he doing that 
as a shortcut for casting that? Or is he, is he really just trying to play that, knowing that he can't, so he's committing fraud? No, it's not fraud. Okay, so he's, you, just, he's showing it off and saying, look, I got the game. Yeah. But you, I, see, I, I wouldn't say all the time, but I've seen this several times in Zendikar Limited. Mm. Where, you know, let's say you've got, let's say I've got, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna trick you here. I've got a two-two in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're at four, sure, and you've just attacked me, and you know you're gonna win on your next attack. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, I've got this windborne charge. I'm just gonna attack you for four. Right, or I just show you the windborne charge. And right, because I think my when, you, when you say I attack you for four, I mean, well, no, this is okay. at the end of your turn. I was saying this is what I'm going to do in yeah, my like, turn. When you say done, I'm just like I got it. Okay, you know that that's you know I've actually seen one player talk himself out of a match win that way also. Um, do you, and, and just to you, clarify, it's because windborne charge says two target creatures you control. Right, and if you only control one creature, then you, you I can't, can't cast through. it. Right. Well, I've seen actually a player use the same sort of mind trick on themselves by accident. Um, they are playing in a limited event uh, for Zendikar. It was at a PTQ, um, and it was our friend Eirik. Okay. And he was at are, one of the top Are you going to tell an embarrassing Eirik story? Well, it's not embarrassing Eirik. It's embarrassing his opponent. Oh, okay. That's so, fine. Right. So He Eirik, likes that. Right. It, well, he had a great time with this one. Um, so Eirik, you know, is sitting there and he's got the territorial Baloth. Oh, this stuff. Go, the, go he's ahead. He's got the territorial Baloth uh, that is the one that gets plus two, plus two with yeah. landfall. Four, four gets plus two, plus two. Right. And his opponent thinks it's the other big Baloth that gets plus four, plus four in trample. The Woodcrasher. Woodcrasher Baloth. Right. And so, you know, Eirik is dead the next turn. Mm-hmm. Looks, you know... It, he goes to his turn and says, well, boy, I'm going to lose unless I can really pull something amazing here. Flips over the top card of his deck, and it's a land. His opponent goes, landfall, huh? Gives him drop. I guess I lose. Yeah. And Eric bedpans, looks at him and says, well, I guess you do. Yeah, he, I remember this. He wasn't even trying to pull a Jedi mind trick. Right, yeah, right. Like, his like opponent mind tricked himself, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, and, you know, the opponent scooped up his cards and extended his hand. And, you know, it, I don't think even Eirik mentioned it to him at all, not in, not just afterward, but mind-tricking yourself like that. I mean, I guess I can see how this other player here uh, with the Lion's Eye Diamond, if you at all want, you know, I don't know what, what is achieved really, you know, if you're saving five seconds of cleanup time here by not just making your opponent say, okay, you think you've got it? Show me. Yeah. Make it happen. Prove me wrong. You know, I think that that is one of those. Because um, at that point, the choice is either, you know, show that it was only a bluff. Sure. Or try to cheat. <laughs> right. And and if you're, you know, if you're getting your opponent to, to say, okay, yeah, I was I was bluffing. I can't do anything. You know. That's the proper way to do that. Um, God, I would conceding. love. I would love to have an opponent try to do that, and just look at them like, okay, do it. Go ahead and right. see what they would do. Like, right. the the whole make my day line is basically, you know, that that's the that's the next step to avoid getting mind tricked. Um, you know, that's 
I think the best way to approach that. Um, it's unfortunate that it would happen. It sounds like between friends in this situation with our, our listener emailing us. Hmm. Um, and it sounds like after that, the friend that had done the mind tricking felt guilty about it um, and conceded that match afterward because he felt like, boy, no, uh, that didn't what? feel right. That didn't feel right. And I can totally see why it wouldn't feel right. Um, there's just not a whole lot of recourse for us in the IPG for something like this because that's, you know, while I wouldn't necessarily call that sporting, it is competitive. And Unless is, he starts going through the the, act, the actual gameplay actions and doing does something illegal. No, correct. you can talk about the future all you want. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You lose. Well, and I think that the distinction here of setting the card down face up in the place where if he was casting it, that's exactly the same thing he would do. Mm-hmm. That there is is uh, if there's any gray area to this scenario, that's where that lies. Yeah, uh, you might want to talk to the players and see what the actual actions right. were. Yeah, have them physically show you what they did. What what did you say exactly? I mean, that's all par for investigations. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just this make is sure definitely a things. case that, that warrants investigation. Yeah, yeah, have a quick talk with them. Okay. And so, this actually reminds me of uh, another story that was written in an article. A lot of interesting stories and articles from this week. Um, Jerry Thompson was writing about MJ, Michael Jacob, you know, former U.S. national champion, mm-hmm. uh, and says, anyway, back to MJ's mastery. This is from the article. He was in game three against vampires in extra turns. He was at four life with a Bane Slayer facing down two vampire hex mages, blood gassed, and a vampire nocturnus with a black card on top, no less. Uh, his opponent on turn... F- Four of turns, carefully weighed his options. When he finally went for the correct play, which was an all-out attack, because with the Nocturnus pumping uh, the Hex Mages, uh, you get enough first strike damage. Mm-hmm. Then the Bane Slayer gains some life, but the Blood Gas can finish finish things off. Right. Um, uh, so he went for the correct play. MJ quickly moved the Bane Slayer in front of the Nocturnus and said, "I'll just first strike down your Nocturnus." Uh, MJ's nameless opponent quickly untapped all of his creatures that had nearly just attacked and reconsidered his position based on this new information. In the end, he decided to pass the turn and MJ escaped with a draw rather than take an unpreventable loss. Hmm. If his opponent thinks it's okay to take back that attack, then he's clearly not finished declaring his attackers. Right. The way it's presented seems like MJ quickly interrupted the, the declaration of attackers. He said, well, I'm just going to do this. You might as well not bother, type of thing. Uh, the analogy I made was to poker, where uh, Gabe Walls made this play once, where his opponent you know, that he's heads up with is thinking about making a raise, right? Mm. And kind of starts to, to move in a fashion that he's going to move his chips in. Right. And what Gabe did was he was, he was uh, listening to his headphones and he says that he immediately snapped off his headphones and jumped up and leaned into the table and got ready to push his chips in. Like he was waiting for the guy to push in, right? Right. And so he's, the, the opponent stops and goes, whoa, like, if you, want, if you want to get your chips in that badly, maybe I should reconsider type of thing. Hmm. So that, the way it's presented here, I mean, there are ways that this could be presented in much worse ways. But the way it's presented here, and we have no reason to disbelieve this, is that you know, opponent starts to tap his guys, and MJ goes, well, I'm just going to mm-hmm. first strike your Nocturnus. And the guy is bad at math or whatever and doesn't attack. Right. Well, 
Okay. Well, that's that's a, a you know the Jedi mind tricks. Yeah, I, I, just another interesting that. mind trick that, under different circumstances, can be interpreted badly. Right. Well, let's move on now to another question we got from a listener here. Um, and that's with regards to unearth the ability from uh, Alara Block and bounce spells, things that you know return permanents to their owners' hands. Uh, and this is you know a, a pretty straightforward question to start off with. That is, that if I want to boomerang something that has been unearthed, you know, where does it go? Does it go to the hand? Does it go back to the exile zone? Where does it go? If it would go anywhere other than exile, exile it instead. So let's talk about how unearth works and what it actually does. Unearth is first off an activated ability, which you can activate by usually paying some sort of mana. Mm -hmm. And when you do, you... When the, the Unearth ability resolves, you return the creature to play, it gains haste, and you remove it from the game at the end of the turn, exile at the end of the turn. So how do I get around this sort of, you know, exile it at the end of the turn trigger? That's one of the questions that... Well, that, like you here. said, is a trigger. Okay. You can counter that trigger. Like with Stifle or Void Slime, right? Right. Okay. However, funny thing is, even though you counter the trigger to exile it at the end of turn, the uh, the ability that says the re the replacement effect, if it would go anywhere, exile it instead, is still there. Right. Regardless so, of the trigger being countered. So you know. So now you get to keep your dude forever, mm -hmm. but if it does leave somehow, then it gets exiled. Right. It's kind of a weird little bookkeeping thing you got to do. Yeah. That it goes away. It's kind of annoying. So how can you get around that also, aside from just countering it with Stifle or Void Slime? Um, there are other ways, right? Well, you can exile it. Well, that doesn't sound very productive. <laughs> uh, well, so the, the, the interaction is with Momentary Blink. Okay. You exile and then return it that sounds to the battlefield. Awesome. Sure. And since the effect is exiling it, the replacement effect doesn't care. Right. He says, oh, it's going to exile. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And then Momentary Blink says, great, then I'll bring it right back. Sure. And it comes back, enters the battlefield as a, a new version of itself. A so, new object. Yeah, it does not remember the end of turn uh, trigger. Right, so it's a completely new creature, doesn't have any of the other unearthed ugliness attached yeah. to it. If it dies, it goes to the graveyard, you can unearth it again. Fantastic. Okay. Is that well, about covered, or do you have any other tricks? No, that's pretty straightforward. Um, other ways of getting rid of the creature and bringing it back um, that don't do it necessarily right away. Things like Oblivion Ring or Journey to Nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those will still work <clears throat> the same way that Momentary Blink would, and that the creature will still come back. You could phase it out, too. Ooh, phasing. <laughs> yeah, let's, Just not, let's, let's not get into the phasing. Um, no, it's I mean, pretty simple now. Really? Well, explain phasing to us, then, as a, a quick aside here. Uh, I'm pretty sure the way it works now is that it phases out, so it's not going to trigger the end of turn. Mm -hmm. And then when it phases back in, it will still remember the uh, the replacement effect. Sure. Because the, there's no longer a phase zone or phase-out zone. Right, it's, it's just not a separate the game kind of misses it when it looks for it. Well. Uh, it's, it's very similar to a card being tapped or untapped or flipped. You know, right, the Kamigawa flip card. Right, phased is just a status thing. Yeah, it's phased or unfazed or okay. whatever the defazed. Okay, well, you seem to have some pretty interesting knowledge about phasing. Um, oh. This is uh, actually not a phasing question, um, but 
Because I missed a question on it on an exam and got real pissed. I was like, I'm going to find out what this phasing thing is because I've never played with it before. Well, I guess this is a question that it's kind of awkward as judges for us, I think, to field this. But Uh it's good for for us to actually get this out in the open and talk about it. Really? Is there any awkward question for me? Well, are you still single? Yes. Okay, was that awkward? A little bit. Okay, there you go. See? Okay. <laughs> okay. Touche, Sean. Well done. So the question that we got from a listener, um, and this was a listener that submitted one of our earlier questions also. A repeat. Yeah. Well, this person definitely Call likes her us. emailer. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely I, interested in hearing what we have to say about this. I've, um, always, I've always wanted someone to say to me, a long-time listener, first-time caller. You well, think we can get that someday? Maybe if we uh, totally, we take callers, yeah. If we end up taking callers someday, <laughs> okay. we'll we'll work on that. And um, on the first day, they'll they will all be long time listener, first time callers. So well, maybe not long time listeners. Ah, okay. Yeah, they can lie to us and okay. pretend. That sounds fantastic. Well, speaking about lying and other shady things, this question is about nice, nice seg. Yeah, judges being shady. <laughs> yeah, tough topic. I know. Um, basically, what should a player do if? You know, their local judge or the person who's running their tournament is kind of acting in an awkward way for them or acting in a shady way. Um, the the well, most immediate example that I've heard of of something like this is, you know, the judge making rulings that are favorable to their friends all the time. Or um, sometimes I've seen this, and this is more a tournament organizer issue, but I've had players come to me and say, boy, you know, at my store, we never get all the cool promos because as soon as they come in, the store owner just puts them up on eBay. Oh, that's a terrible thing. I know. Um, Those so guys get caught. They do. Wizards they do. looks at eBay auctions for like pre-release spoils and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, so if you're thinking about doing it, it's not worth like the fifty bucks or whatever you're going to get. Right, losing your license to sell wizard stuff is yeah. pretty bad news. So, but let's talk more about you know if a player does actually see a judge engaged in some sort of shady behavior. Ooh, okay. Where do they go for that? Where do they? What's their remedy? Because the judge, you know, if it's even the head judge in their F and M, that person rules that tournament, has complete control over what. Here goes on I there. rule. Well, here the judges rule, and you get to have some fun too. Yeah. That that's too long for the slogans they like there. Speaking of slogans. Don't you think the DCI slogan, now that we have the new black, uh, quote-unquote, ninja shirts, mm-hmm. don't you think the DCI slogan should be, what can black do for you? Or is there copyright infringement issues with UPS? Um, I don't know. I think that's... No. You don't like it, just say it. I don't like that, no. Fine. No, I like it about as much as the idea of wearing cowboy hats to identify the, the judges at a PTQ. Who had that idea? Glenn, wasn't it Glenn Goddard? I think he said baseball caps. Okay, baseball caps. <laughs> Cowboy hats. Okay. Well, that would be kind of funny. It'd so, be easy to pick us out, though. Yes. So what, what do players do? If they think something shady is going on, or they have a judge that they, they really don't trust, they, they've seen them do something, and okay. they clearly... First thing I would do is make sure that what you think is going on is going on. Sometimes it's misunderstanding. Okay. Uh, some people, you know, who've seen a judge make a, you know, wrong, an incorrect ruling for their friend, turns out the ruling was correct, and the person who's watching just was wrong. Mm. Stuff like that. That's one thing to consider. Sure. Um, so, 
get 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 a track record. I would say of these rulings. Bring some evidence. Yeah, write them down, confirm them uh, online with other judges, whatever. Another thing I would do, if you think it's uh, it's reasonable, is talk to the judge. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the most important things is communication. Right. So again, sit down and talk with them. It could be a misunderstanding of some kind. Say, hey, you know, I saw you do this. I was wondering what's up. Right, but you don't want to do it in a confrontational way, accusatory. No, 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 no. no but but do bring it up. Yeah. Okay. Bring it up. Talk I mean, to them. I mean, about this it. is something I encourage for for any player to talk to a judge if they think the judge did something wrong. Now, again, you're talking about this. It sounds like from a bit of a perspective that where a player is somehow misunderstanding what a judge is doing. No. Okay. So what what happens if, though, they're absolutely I, certain I've, of it? I've made mistakes at tournaments, and players have come talk to me, and I said, you know what, you're right. I, I made a mistake then. Okay. Well, what if, the, what if they've gone through these steps and they've decided, yes, this, this judge did something wrong? Um, you know, if it's, I can't imagine it actually happening. With well, what do you want me to say, Sean? Clearly you're trying to leave me Who do me they somewhere. go to? Who do they talk to? Not to me. I'm okay. just saying, I, I get these emails sometimes, mm -hmm. and I forward them along or tell the person to email Mr. Andy Hecht. Okay, who who's Andy, for, for those of us who don't know? You know, I don't even know anymore. His, his job description keeps changing. The, the last time I checked, he's the coordinator of judges, right? The judge, judge program manager. Is that his official title now? I don't know what his official <laughs> title is either. I just know that that's, that's I mean, he's a, he he's a part of organized play, mm -hmm. and he watches over the judges. He's a great guy. Right. Uh, interesting thing is that he's never he's never been a judge. Just gets along with us real well and mm -hmm. is, a, is a good manager. Right. So if you're looking for somebody that can be that sort of person of last resort, um, officially... You know, at Wizards, the person that yeah, and you know, Wizards emails are pretty simple. It's Andy dot Hecht, which is H E C K T. Mm -hmm. Andy is A N D Y. Andy dot Hecht at Wizards dot com. Right. Turns out you could probably reach a lot of people that way. <laughs> What's their right. name? Right. You just got to be careful that it's not Andrew, which is which it isn't in this case. Right. So. That's how you get in touch with somebody if, if something like that happened. But really, we just hope that you first talk to the judge, um, you know, talk to that, that person in that authoritative place. Um, and oftentimes, you know, Andy can take some actions. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's, say, not a certified judge, what, what sort of recourse is that? Like a lot of FNMs get run by people who aren't certified. You know, I mean, we're sitting here and at Great Escape here in Sacramento, and I'll be running the FNM tomorrow. But I think for the region, I'm probably one of the only certified judges that's running an FNM. I can't think of anybody else that I know that's running an FNM who's also a certified judge tomorrow. So all these what, other what would happen? I mean, a you're probably not going to get certified. Sure. If Andy's like, I've heard some things. Mm -hmm. um, you probably don't care whether you're certified or not if you're doing shady things. Well, is there other recourse? Like I, I don't know. Are you asking me if they could... It's certainly possible that this person might receive some kind of suspension. If if it's really serious stuff, Right. might receive a suspension mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. either a player or, or as an organizer. Sure. Okay. Well, that's, that's a, I guess, as far as we need to take that. Well, one other thing is if you know that this judge 
is hooked into the local BCI scene, mm-hmm. you could talk to, to one of his senior uh, judges. For example, here in Sacramento, if, if someone decided that Sean Catanese was doing shady things at his F&M, mm-hmm. you might know, hey, you know, Ricky Hayashi is kind of his mentor. I'm going to talk to him about this. Sure, absolutely. Okay, well, good. That's that's one good way to look at that. And uh, hopefully, you know, you'll never have to use that. Um, and hopefully all the judges that you meet and interact with um, will be amazing, awesome people as... Um, I'd say pretty much all the people that I've met throughout the last couple weeks here um, from all over the world. Well, I just want to throw a quick shout out for uh, Tobias Fjellander. Hmm. Again, probably just butchering his name, but um, from Sweden. We've been uh, munching on some delicious confections. I think Sean hmm. called them ginger snaps. Uh, but, like cinnamon cookies of some but, sort. But the box says, Valkyrdade uh, Pepper Kakor. So, <laughs> something tasty yes. in Swedish. And, and this was something yes. at the judge dinner for Pro Tour San Diego. He just stopped by my table and said, here you go, and, mm-hmm. and gave me this box of cookies. Yeah, I was like, what, what is this? He said, it's a gift. You know, we've, we've judged maybe two or three events together, mm-hmm. good friends. And, you know, so my plan is that I will be going to Pro Tour Amsterdam, where he will most likely be at, and you know, now it's my turn to bring him some gift of my own. Right, something probably uh, Californian in nature, because he brought you something Swedish. So. Sure. With that, you have wasted probably another hour. Well, you've not wasted it. You've learned things. You've had an amazing time. We've had an amazing time. Oh, I thought you said I wasted No, no, no. I'm not talking to you, Ricky. I'm talking the to the listeners. listeners. That's right. Our listeners. They've had an awesome time, hopefully. And we thank you for sticking with us, and we'll hopefully be in your ears about a week from now. Every time we're trying to record this about a weekly basis, it's turning out about 10 days. <laughs> 10 days is you know close enough. So uh, we'll see you next time. I remember John Lennon said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. No, well, see, we don't plan these things, though. Like, you just called me today and said, are we recording? I said, well, yes, we are. <laughs> That's how and that was late. <laughs> right. Right. But we have it now, and uh, it's time for us to head on back, I think. Um, but thank you all for listening. Signing off, this is Sean Catanese. I keep it fair. And Ricky Hayashi, I keep it fun. Thanks for listening.